If you're looking for a way to be a helper during this time, truly one of the best ways to get involved at Mental Health Association Oklahoma is to make a donation. Anything will help us continue to serve our participants during this difficult time. So visit Mental Health Association Oklahoma's Facebook page and donate on the COVID-19 Relief Fund or go to mhaok.org and hit the donate button at the top of the page. Things that we are discovering now, I think, will hopefully, you know, move us forward into a better place. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason, and on today's episode, we are going to give you some amazing tips for parents. To do that, we've invited Steve Hahn of the Parent Child Center to join us here on the Mental Health Download. So, Steve, uh, thank you for being here, and can you just really quickly give an overview of kind of the mission of the Parent Child Center? Sure. I'm the vice president of youth programs at the Parent Child Center of Tulsa, and I manage our school-based programs, Kids on the Block, Teach Kindness, the Anti-Bullying Collaboration, and our Safe Passage Bullying uh, Training Program partnership with OU. And I have two kids, my wife and I, we have a 15-year-old freshman and a 16-year-old junior that attend a local school. Awesome. Okay. And then we also have Cynthia Mooney on the on the uh, Zoom call today. Cynthia, welcome to Mental Health Download and, and do the same for us. Explain uh, your role and both professionally and as a mom. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me on. I am the coordinator for Children's Behavioral Health Initiatives at Mental Health Association Oklahoma. And I am the proud mother of three children. And they're 11, 16, and 24. And uh, my role is mostly as a community collaborator, I suppose is the best way to put it, uh, pulling all of those that are working on behalf of children's behavioral health together to try to make sure that we are addressing gaps and needs in our community. What Cynthia and I want to talk to you about is just, you know, offer parents those tips for uh, during a very strange time uh, in our nation's history of what parents can be doing to monitor their children using social media and the internet and, you know, Zoom calls. And I mean, there's just, a, I think there's a lot of uh, undiscovered country that we're, I think we're all just trying to figure out as parents on the fly. So, uh, what tips uh, would you yeah, provide? You know, first and foremost, I think now's uh, the great and the right time to have that discussion about family expectations. You know, um, to begin that is really sight lines. Where are your children using their devices, you know, their iPhones, their Chromebooks, um, their gaming devices, are they always, you know, kind of isolated in their rooms out of our sight online, you know, engaging with friends on social media, um, gaming platforms, you know, what are they looking at too? I mean, I, I think this time of isolation really can increase the curiosity with our kids, you know, so things that they may not have been curious to look into now they have this time. And as adults, we're trying to even create you know, a work family balance right now. And so we're home with our kids. And so on Zoom calls and, and such. And so we're, we're looking for space too. But in that, in that new culture that we're in, you know, we really have to identify those family expectations. Where do we use the internet? You know, and that's a critical piece to really kind of curb some of the curiosity or some of the, the interactions online that, that could be harmful in nature you know, out of our sight. So bring that, that 
piece back in so we can have eyes on our kids, you know, while they're online. So that, that would be a first step. The second step would really be talking about limiting content as well. You know, a lot of our kids have devices where as parents, we can go in and limit the content that they see. Is it sure? Is it R? Is it PG-13? Is it PG? Is it G? And so we get we actually have the capability to put those settings on our kid's phone and password protected so we can go in there and, and make those adjustments. And really, the third thing is really reviewing content that our kids are seeing. You know, it's, it's their device, but it's our device. We bought it for them. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a great conversation. So, hey, let's look at your history. What have you been in? Uh, what have you been looking at today? And let's look at social media as well. What accounts do you have? And and, and I think those provide learning moments for adults too, because I think we need to get, we need to brush up on the, on the social media platforms that our kids are on these days, because you know what, it, it's probably not Facebook <laughs> in general. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, even, even Instagram, my, uh, my, uh, uh, soon to be 12 year old, she told me this weekend, she was like, I was talking about Instagram and she was like, Oh yeah, that's what old people use. Oh uh, yeah. Oh no, yeah. that's not okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's already outdated. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she's, she's talking about, you know, she watches TikTok videos yeah. and stuff. That's and, right. Yeah. And so, uh, during this time of COVID, you know, what are some of the, the dangers that you are warning parents about? You know, we're, we're talking about social distancing, but what I'm really concerned about is social isolation. You know, I mean, are we, are we moving away from even, you know, we, we are from face-to-face interactions, but what does that mean in our home? I mean, are, are we interacting with one another in a relational way or is it more in an isolated way? And so I think within that isolation, there's a, a risk for harm to happen, especially in online space. So we're not just talking about, you know, social media. We're talking about this concept that I call the unknown other as well. So who is that person that your child is interacting with online? Do they know who they are? You know, with a lot of our social media platforms, these are video-based um, platforms in real time to where, you know, your child could be interacting with somebody that they, they don't know at all. And so this unknown user is really known by their, by the interactions they have with your child or even with adults for that matter. I mean, think about our own social media platforms and how many people we know face-to-face and how many we don't, but we just know them through interactions online. You know, so there's a, there's a risk of harm there. And and I think it, it take it a step further, the notion that, well, that'll never happen in my home or to my child. You know, I, I think we need to step away from that because this does happen where, where youth and adults are even approached by people they don't know for personal information, for pictures, for photos, for video feed. Um, and ultimately, you know, it could be a situation where it's harmful to the extent that that person is being groomed. And with the intent of meeting up in secret, you know, and so there's some things that need to be in our family discussions now because of this notion of isolation. And so we need to bring that stuff out of the dark and put it in the light so we can have a real candid discussion as families about that. Steve, one of the things that I know I'm struggling with, because like Matt, I really have limited my youngest uh, access to social media. But right now, I'm kind of having to take some of those limiters off of it because it is his only way to connect with his friends. But one of the concerns that I have is um, it's really hard to tell intent 
through a text message. Uh, sure. It's hard sometimes when people make comments to really understand that maybe there was a laughter that was said with it or any of those yeah. kinds of things that you get when you're face to face. And with him only being 11, my big fear is, is he going to misread a social cue? Is he going to take something that's way more jovial as, you know, yeah. a hurtful comment and it's going to hurt his little heart and sure. maybe break down some relationships with friends just because they're all very immature right now. Right. You know, the conversation at school has been digital citizenship and the idea of how you communicate with friends online, with adults online, or even in, in text messages, you know, uh, you would think that everybody, at least as adults, we know that if you respond to somebody emboldened in caps, you're yelling at them, right? Right, <laughs> and exactly. So, and if, if you don't put follow up with a real quick, just kidding or an emoji, that's a, a crack up face, you know, so the person on the other end understands, you might find yourself in a situation where you've hurt someone's feelings or they become upset with you. And so this, this is the culture that we're in right now. We've got we've to hurry up to have that communication with our kids, that discussion of, hey, there's a way to communicate in digital space that's, that's not offensive. But if you do communicate in such a way that offends somebody, you know, as a caring person, if they communicate back with you, hey, this is hurtful, you've got to be, be quick to communicate that, hey, I didn't mean it in that way. And even as an adult, I've had interactions online where there's just simply a misunderstanding. person would message me and say, hey, that was really hurtful. I'm like, whoa, 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 I didn't mean that at all. Um, I thought you understood what I was talking about, and clearly they didn't. And so this type of communication as adults is complex. And so with our kids, you know, leading them through this time of communicating digitally and having your expressing yourself in a way that's not hurtful to others is, is important right now. And so, but I think Cynthia, just like you're saying, it, it's, it's time to have those communicate those, that conversation with our kids when they're in the space, when they're the communication is heightened online, when, you know, they may not, might not have had, you know, even phone numbers to text until now because they're having more conversations related to school and maybe even virtual projects related to school. And so now they have to navigate the space that's unfamiliar broadly um, successfully. Right. And I know that, you know, I, I've been trying very hard to keep open line of communication and kind of talk about that with both of my kids. Um, but uh, you know, just any of the other parents, like, I just hope that other families are looking, that the teachers are looking because they're yeah. all, you know, just all of us kind of <laughs> being the village around these kids right now as they're trying to navigate this, because it's really going to take all of us supporting each other through this. Sure. And all of a sudden we're thrust in the role of teacher too, Correct. you know, and that's, that is challenging at best. You know, especially like we said earlier, we're, we're all at home. We're navigating workspace, family space, school space now. Distance learning started today, April 6th in, in Oklahoma. And so we're sharing this space that is uncharted for a lot of our families. You know, so it, it, is, it is something that we have to get out in the open and talk about it. Yeah, I know that one of the things I've encouraged my son to do is if he sees a comment or if there is something that kind of takes a negative trend or maybe something that's an inappropriate 
response or an image or a link that somebody's sending that he's supposed to come and talk to me about that and that nobody's going to get in trouble. We're all just trying to learn how to do right. this the most appropriate way. Right. Uh, because I think you're right. They are going to test some boundaries. They are going to find some things that they think are funny, but they don't realize why they're inappropriate or, sure. you know, everybody has a different view of what is funny or what might be kind or hurtful. So, right. And I think you're, you're spot on with our, the parent is now the first line of, of defense. You know, when something happens that has the potential to be harmful online or hurtful, you know, hopefully our kids are at a place where they can still come to us and say, Hey, this happened. You know, can I get, let's talk about it. And that's a good place to be as a parent. You know, um, we see that, uh, especially with younger kids as, you know, we're, we are still seen as the helper and the problem solver. But as our kids get older, when they become reliant on their own selves to solve their problems and even at, on their friends, you know, they, they may go to our, their friends first and say, hey, this happened. What do you think? And hopefully those, those older friends are, are good problem solvers, too, and can offer up some, some healthy information. But, you know, odds are sometimes the peers don't have the best advice to give. So there's another thing, too, during this time, you know, as, as students are home with district-owned devices, um, a lot of our school districts do have software platforms that monitor that district-owned device for communication, for, you know, harmful searches, questionable searches, harmful, you know, text or, or messaging, rather. And so a lot of those platforms do generate reports that go to the parent weekly or even if it's if it raises to such a degree of harm immediately. Um, so as a parent, I, I would really look look into your district's monitoring software specifically for school and district-owned devices because I guarantee it they're going to have a software platform that monitors those things. And so dig into that. Try to understand what the reporting um, mechanism is if it if it's to come to you or to the school or or. Um, how that is retrieved, and also even what the school's responsibility is during this time as well. Because if that originates and uh, is continued on a district-owned device, you know, um, I believe there is a, a, a requirement for the district to get involved to solve that problem as well. Yeah, I kind of feel like right now it's all of our responsibilities. So absolutely, it, it uh, absolutely is. And you know what? It always was. I mean, that's agreed. the thing. Agreed. <laughs> and that's that's what really rises to the surface here too. It's like, well, this is this is what well, feels really heavy on parents. But you know what? I mean, parental support is what the schools have needed too during this time. Um, when these issues like cyberbullying and and other types of um, harmful behavior, you know, it's uh, that happen at school. They they be, they have always been, you know, adult and parent and caregiver responsibilities to solve as well. So, I, but I think that amplified that note as ample. Absolutely, and I know. You know, I think that so many of our kids have been connected. I know my 16 year old. She's already yeah. been on all of these things. Uh, she's navigated this. She's figured out how to have those conversations with her friends and, and you know, balancing responsibility 
with all of that. But I think that the other concern that I have is when everything relationally is digital and virtual, um, mm-hmm. you know, it does, it changes the way we use those platforms, whereas it used to be supplemental. Now it's primary. Right. And that really does sort of shift the need or the attachment to it, I suppose. And Mm -hmm. I hate saying attachment to a a device, but that's ultimately what it is. Right. When you talk about five, 10 years ago, we were talking about digital natives, you know, versus digital immigrants. And so the notion of digital native being our, our kids are born with the technology in their hand and and it's part of their primary method of communication, which I, I think really our our even our adult culture has really gravitated toward that notion. You know, this is this is part of a primary method of communication. I mean, we don't even have a home phone anymore. We're we're just connected with our cell phones and we can communicate online. And so just this notion that screen time how many screens do I look at a day? You know, I was thinking about that and I, and I think about my work desktop. I think about my cell phone and I think about how we relax in the evening, which is looking at a TV. <laughs> it's like, Oh gosh, our increased time. We're looking at a screen screen has gone up significantly, you know, in the past 10 years for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know, You know, there have been a lot of youth-led organizations that have really focused on cyberbullying and just respectful internet conduct and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And so, and because my kids have been a part of uh, Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, they've focused on those things. Um, But I know, Steve, you and I had kind of talked about, you know, what are those resources for parents who don't really know how to broach those conversations with their kids? Yeah. Um, You know, or or what is developmentally appropriate for Mm -hmm. each age range? You know, the conversation Mm -hmm. I'm going to have with my 11-year-old about social media conduct is going to be a little different than my 16-year-old because of their you know, what I'm allowing him access to and also just what I would expect him to run into. Yeah, for Uh, sure. You know, as a parent, one website that I would go and look at immediately for, you know, younger elementary, older elementary and secondary students is NetSmarts. And that's, they have a a partnership with uh, the missing and exploited uh, kids um, platform. So that's, it's the, the, the address is missingkids.org and forward slash net smarts. And there's a Z on the end of that. If you go to that website, you can find all types of information regarding online safety, cyberbullying, how to protect yourself on cyberspace, how to protect your kids. And I think it's, they've really built this nice platform to be a resource page for parents, educators, and communities. So that, that would be a place where I would start, you know, to get some just real um, clear cut um, answers to how to move forward with you, with your kids and with your family, you know, to understand this, this online culture and what's out there. So, um, but that, that's, that would be a starting point for sure. I know one of the other things that I've really struggled with as a parent is, like you said, I, you know, I'm now on more screens than I've ever been in my life. But in the last three weeks, now that I'm working from home, I find myself 
I mean, I'm in the house with my children, but I'm not really with them. Uh-huh. I'm working during the day. Uh-huh. So I'm right. focused on all of the things that I normally am doing from, for my job. Um, right. And that it concerns me a little bit that their screens are now sort of the babysitter in a way. Right. And right. I'm right. not comfortable with that, no. but yet I don't know how to balance it because the other option is that, well, I don't know what the other option yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. You know, when you think about little kids, two toddlers, early elementary kids, I mean, how many times have we handed our device off to them for, for entertainment or to give us a little bit of time? And so even in that transaction, you know, as adults, if we hand them our phone, our iPad, our Chromebook, what is on that device? You know, what, what are they going to be able to see? Um, are they going to be able to come in contact with our contacts? Of course, our social media, of course, our pictures, of course. And so there's this notion of we, we have technology sometimes as a babysitter, you know, when, when we need to get stuff done. And that's just a reality. And so, you know, one, I think a, a great need that all families have right now, especially if they have kids home and they're in this distance learning mode is creating that routine. So we have kids have a routine every day at school that they can count on. Sure. There can be surprises like drills, fire drills, et cetera, special speakers, but the notion of sitting down and outlining a daily routine, a weekly routine, I believe is going to be critical during this time because that way as a family, we can get used to it, you know? So, and it's something that I've been looking forward to to, you know, for a couple of weeks, we've been calling it an extended spring break at our house on April 6th, things kick off. And so um, every family with kids, you know, who are in the distance learning process now in Oklahoma really needs to get down with a routine. It, it gives the kids something to look forward to, you know, some regularity, some normalcy, they would experience that at school. And so it's going to take some work, Cynthia. <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> I know. I know. And I think it's that's for all of us. Like, what do you mean? We got to write down a chart. Yes. Write well, it down. I will freely say I made my children get up and eat breakfast yes. and brush their teeth like they were going to school today, <laughs> minus the uniform. Um, but I, I did my darndest to, to, to start that routine process because yeah. you're Exactly right. We've been on an extended spring break. I mean, yeah. I didn't stop working, but they most definitely have done very little regarding anything normal in their routine. For sure. For um, sure. And, and that's just it. I mean, it's checking in with the kids throughout the day too, throughout our work day. So if your kids know that, you know, you have a Zoom call from, you know, nine to 10, and then after that, you've got a little bit of time where you're going to get together and check in, check in on schoolwork, what the assignments were, their progress, you know, and then you have another meeting from 1130 to noon, you know, and they know that's kind of your quiet time. They have an expectation and you have an expectation as well. So, and then you're going to, you're going to clear, clear your calendar for, from noon to 1230 or one, and you're going to have lunch. That way they can count on you to be present. And it'll be a check-in point that they get used to. And then they can go off to the next thing. And then here's, here's been my challenge as well. Because now my desk is, you know, in our front living room. I'm having a hard time closing things up at five and putting work away and saying, now it's time to transition away to my, you know, here's a hard stop. 
I'm transitioning away from work and I'm going to be with my family. And that's for, you know, for a lot of people that are, you know, driven, that's a hard thing. And yeah. so how are we creating those, those hard stop separations from work to be present with our family? It's, that's a critical question too. But that goes along to say with that routine. We've got to do this routine where our kids can trust us to be present and move forward during this time. Are you telling me that I have to be just as disciplined with my own internet habits as I want my children to be? For sure. And that's just Steve. It. If we're talking about limiting our kids' time online and, you know, setting those internet service provider, you know, um, settings or modem settings or whatever. It's like, wait a minute, how often, you know, do I use this as, hmm, let me see. But yeah, I, I think some of this is a perfect time for self-reflection, Cynthia. <laughs> this wasn't supposed to be about me. This is about my children. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, it's just like SEL, social emotional learning. If the adults don't have the skills to move forward, how can we you know, expect our kids to have the same thing. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's time that we sit down and have these conversations as a family and, and, and begin to incorporate this, these things into our family dynamic as well. Yeah, I will freely admit that uh, my kids and I have had several conversations regarding this. And there is a bit of a mirror approach to this where you really do have to take a look at your own practices and realize yeah. that, Perhaps you haven't been as diligent about it as you should have been and that you are sort of teaching that to your kids by your example. And um, and so I've been struggling with that as well. You know, five o'clock hits and closing down the laptop and not, you know, not responding to those work related calls and things like right. that. Um, it right. is hard to shut that down. Um, right. I have challenged myself and the kids and I have had lots of conversations about maybe this is a good time for us to sort of focus on some things that we have neglected because life gets so busy normally. Uh, most of our evenings, I'm a single mom. And so our evenings are, you know, Monday is, is this activity for one kid. And then Wednesday is another activity for another kid. And we're running all over the place all the time. And this is kind of giving us a chance to regroup a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and figure out how to interact with each other where there's not so much of a schedule associated with it. Right. Um, getting back to basics a little bit, but. Right. And I think you hit it right on the head too. I mean, so all sports are out for the year, you know, basically school based sports are done. Um, extracurricular, you know, the bands aren't going out of state. They're not getting ready for some type of performance. And so now it's, it's the parent who comes up with that routine and schedule and how good are we at it? We're going to have to work, you know, that's just all there is to it. Yeah. I am finding that, um, and it's not just me. I have several mother friends that I communicate with on Facebook and we are all struggling to recognize mm -hmm. that we were probably pretty out of balance going into this. And so trying to come up with that healthy balance now is really our biggest challenge as a parent and yeah. not falling back on what is quite honestly much easier, which is it's okay if you watch YouTube for four hours straight right. because I have a whole lot of work I've got to do today. Right. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. 
And here we are together, you know, reprioritizing and, and really kind of writing a new script for we, what we want our, our homes to be and what we place emphasis and value on. So it's, I think it's, it's, you know, things that we are discovering now, I think will hopefully, you know, move us forward into a better place um, because it's, it's had to have been a dynamic change, you know, in, in many areas from family to work, to socialization with friends. Um, and so it's, it's been thrust upon us. And so, here we are. <laughs> What's going to change? What's going to stick? What are we going to prioritize? How do we move forward successfully? Um, so as, as we're kind of wrapping up here, um, I do, uh, one of the last questions that I have is, you know, what uh, the silver linings of COVID, you know, um, I'm really trying to focus on those, you know, just to keep me from spiraling. Um, you know, after uh, this crisis is over, what are going to be some of the silver linings that people, that parents um, and and their children uh, that we will have learned during this time that we can hopefully continue? Yeah, you know, I think it will be a return to family time, you know, and, and understanding what's going on in our homes with our, our loved ones as important to moving forward successfully. You know, it's, it's I think it's easy to to just not be present sometimes <laughs> in in some of the spaces that uh, individuals are and our family are in, but really take an inventory of you know what are we doing with our time, you know how do we communicate, uh, and what are the expectations we have as a family as individuals, and how do we communicate when things are going well and when things aren't going so well. And so bringing those, those things into light more. And I, I think will be things that strengthen who we are as, as family members and families moving forward. But I, I think that it, it's an awakening time too for emerging thoughts and how the family dynamic works. For the audience, can you tell them how they can reach out to the Parent Child Center? Sure. You can visit our website at parentchildcenter.org. Um, you can call our main line at 599-7999. Um, our mission is to prevent child abuse and neglect through education, treatment, and advocacy. And right now, we're really concerned about you know social distancing, moving into social isolation, you know, um, where... People are isolated from others and, and perhaps, you know, the family dynamic isn't strong. Perhaps there are instances where, where stressors increase, you know, where socioeconomic problems occur, where people lose their jobs, where, you know, abusive situations get worse and, and there's, there's no help. So that's really another thing that we're concerned about during this time as well are, are abusive situations or uh, incidents rising too. So yeah, reach out to us online, take a look around on our website, give us a call. We are here even during this time of, of social distancing. Yeah. And Cynthia, um, can you kind of speak to some of the resources available in Tulsa that, that you would refer people, parents to go and seek out? Absolutely. Uh, you know, there have been a lot of positives that have come from this. And one is that, um, Oftentimes, community um, services have a hard time 
connecting the dots with each other. And this has really brought all of those resources forward and everybody's really collaborating to try to get information out there. Um, most of the public schools have put resources together for parents and uh, both from, uh, you know, just how to support their children, what their options are for food, for Wi-Fi access, for technology, um, but they've also put information out there about, you know, reaching out, just like Steve said, you know, there, this is a really stressful time for all of us and really making sure that we're taking care of ourselves and each other right now, um, making sure that we're dealing with some of that anxiety and the stress and understanding that for some individuals and for some families, they're going to need more support right now. Um, I know I do. And so I think that uh, the schools have been really good about pushing that information out there onto the school district websites. If you're a parent, that's a great resource. There are uh, fantastic resources at Mental Health Association Oklahoma that also are going into just the reaching out piece of it. Um, I think that um, I have really enjoyed the fact that so much has gone online. So if I don't know where to look for something, I'm just typing it in my web browser, to be quite honest, and it is popping up fantastic resources. But uh, Family and Children's Services has their COPES line that has reached out and they are now offering not just um, crisis intervention, but just I need somebody to talk to you right now because I'm all by myself. And so they're really trying to to change up what they're doing a little bit for for that platform as well. So I think that it's been really helpful to see how the community has stepped up to really support each other and get all of these resources connected. This has just been a wonderful conversation. Steve, as, as is tradition here on the Mental Health Download, we always ask the guests to share, you know, last bit of wisdom and then close us out with our rallying cry, which is go do good things. Um, we were actually joking this morning in a staff meeting of maybe we should start saying stay and do good things because we're all staying home. Uh, but, you know, uh, if you could just uh, share a bit of wisdom and then say, go do good things, I think we'll be... Sure, you know, just communicate as a family, you know, build that schedule. Um, talk to your kids about online family expectations and uh, just, I guess, go do good things. COVID-19 has impacted the people Mental Health Association Oklahoma serves every day. People impacted by mental illness, homelessness, substance use, and justice involvement. And we continue to serve the most vulnerable in our communities, but that's coming with many unexpected expenses. We have established a COVID-19 relief fund to assist us in the emergency services we are providing. Help us serve our participants in need of rental assistance, mental health care, food and shelter, and other basic necessities. Go to Mental Health Association Oklahoma's Facebook page to contribute or visit our website at mhaok.org and hit the donate button at the top of the page.